This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. We know who runs the route, but now it's time. But now it's time to dive into the guys throwing the ball. Welcome to QB Class, presented by Reception Perception. Here's your host, Zach Miller and Derek Classic. Welcome back, Happy New Year! Welcome back to another episode of QB Class, coming in right before Week 18. Sorry, we're a little late on the week. I had some holiday delays and Derek was patient enough to wait for me so we're recording on a Thursday morning this will be our little Friday episode right before the week 18 action one week left in the season how you feeling about the season so far Derek one week left man feels so good that there's only one week left I don't even feel that bad about us you know being a little late I mean it's the end of the season everybody's you know dragging a little bit uh some teams are resting their starters all, all that jazz so I think we're we're perfectly fine, you know, taking it a little bit slower. Yeah, we can rest our starters for for a week or exactly. so. <laughs> well, I'm very excited to get into today's show. We got a little bit of a, a bite-sized episode, not in length, but just in quarterback size here. Uh, and we're going to start off with Kyler Murray, who, if you don't know, there are very few players that I feel like I am biased towards in the NFL. I keep a pretty third-party view. I love Kyler Murray. I'm going to get that out of the way. If you're listening to this and you don't agree with my takes on here, just give me a, give me a pass. I loved him coming out of college as the first overall pick. I love him in Arizona. I love him on all my fantasy teams. And I'm just going to be a little biased on this episode, which luckily we're coming off of a huge win for Kyler Murray, taking down the Eagles, a little bit of a revenge game for Jonathan Gannon. Uh, crazy game. Big scores. And then... The Cardinals come out with a victory in the end, and Kyler Murray played what seemed to be a very good game from the quarterback position, but we're going to look into that a little further. Derek's going to give us some insight on what you saw, and tell me, how's Calamari looking behind that Arizona offensive line this year? Kind of, kind of good. I will say, uh, the funny thing about Kyler Murray is I'm almost on the opposite end, where he, when he came out of college, I was like, He's built like an elf. There's no way. Like, I just, I'm scared of this. I don't love this. And then he started putting up like MVP numbers in 2019. And people were like, he's a top five quarterback. I was like, let's pump the brakes. But then now it feels like I've come full circle where people, it feels like forgot that he's actually really good. Like, cause I, even when I didn't think he was like MVP caliber or whatever, I was like, okay, this dude's clearly good. 
But then like after the injury and the last weird year with Cliff, all that other stuff, it seemed like people forgot that he was good. And heading into the season, people were instantly like Cardinals are going to draft Caleb Williams. I was like, we've seen Kyler play at a really, really high level. And then he's come back this year and played. Guess what, guys? At a really, really high level. And I think this game like really, uh, really showed that. Like so off the bat, 82.3 percent adjusted accuracy rate that's really really good that's higher than anybody puts up over a full season and um any sort of stuff like that like it's a really really high number anything above 80 is going to be i mean anything above like 78 really is going to be like really good so he he did a great job there what fascinated me about this game though was not just the adjusted accuracy score it was that when we think of kyler what do we think of we think of running around we think of making throws down the field we make of thinking all these crazy tight window throws like out of structure all that sort of stuff not at all what he did in this game because he didn't have to like he this was a very mature quarterback game where almost everything he did was in structure getting the ball out beating coverage beating blitzes all that sort of stuff he threw 22 passes in the one to 10 yard range he was accurate on 18 of them like dude was just gripping and ripping in the quick game and it was really really it just kind of between that and how well the rushing offense was working with james connor and and michael carter the offense was just like constantly grinding down the field, grinding down the field. Um, and I thought it was just like a really cool, mature performance from Kyler, especially when think about it. He didn't get a real offseason with this team, with this offensive line, with these receivers. And these receivers aren't all that good to begin with. A lot of them are young. Hollywood Brown, I think, was injured in this game. Like he just it wasn't a, it's not a very good situation. Trey McBride is really good, but the, the other receivers are like not really up to par and so for him to put this game together where it's just everything is in rhythm and he really feels like a quarterback i was like man that's that's cool the offensive plan is a lot better than anything he's had in the past few years with cliff and then he was executing at a high level and then on top of that you still got all the explosive plays man like he kyler made three or four plays at the end of this game that were like yeah that's what you pay for that's why you gave him like a bank breaking contract the touchdown to james connor where he spins out of a, a touch or spins out of a sack from josh sweat and then finds james Con- james connor rushing towards the left sideline insane throw james connor has to make a one-handed catch on it but that ball can't be anywhere else In- insane play there's a fourth and four to i think maybe like get the i think this was when they got within one score of the eagles but it's fourth and four michael wilson's in the tight split to the left side Rush starts bearing down on him, just rips it in there, puts it in there, touchdown. And then at the end of the game, last play to, to set up the, the Cardinals to punch in a rushing touchdown, Kyler makes this awesome out route throw to Greg Dorch, where it's like, dude has like a quarter of a step of separation. Like this is very, this is very much a ball that could be defended. Kyler just puts it right in front of him. Dorch is able to take it off for like 30 more yards. And it was just like, to, ha- to have Kyler make all the mature throws and then still come up in the end and make the big boy plays. I was like, this is what you pay for. Like, this is why you thought he was a $50 million a year quarterback. Yeah. And to, to speak to what you're saying here, he is still a, the eighth highest paid quarterback in the NFL off of his five year, 230 million contract. I, they're, they're still paying him the big bucks, which is one of the reasons I think in the beginning of the year, I thought the discourse was a little silly when, you know, they were like, oh, Cardinals are going to be locked into the number one overall pick. Congrats. You have Caleb Williams. And I'm like, you just paid this dude a lot of money to just immediately one. He's got a no trade clause, too. So you have to get him to agree to move on. And you paid him a ton of money. 
but he seems like he's worth it. The the thing that really stood out to me in this game is uh, we you track out of pocket as one of the situational coverages. We only saw three out of pocket passes for Kyler Murray. That's the lowest you've tracked since Joe Burrow in Week Eight. Uh, there are a couple others that are around that range, but it's it's more along the lines of like Mac Jones, Joe Burrow, Stafford. Every once in a while, checks in around there for a, a considered a running quarterback that you have like Kyler Murray. That's kind of a low, a low number. He's just kind of sitting in the pocket, gunning in this offense, and we've kind of seen that throughout the year. He yes, he still runs, but I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of what we saw with like the Lamar Jackson switch, where he's like. I'm a running quarterback now if I have to, not every play because I want to. And I think that kind of speaks to a lot of the growth you, you like we're seeing from Kyler Murray in this like new look Cardinals offense. He doesn't have the weapons he did. Trey McBride's still an animal, but he's growing up. He's maturing. He's making the throws rather than just running out of the pocket, even though watching him run is like my favorite thing because he looks like someone's kids snuck on the NFL field and just stole the ball and is like running between defenders like really well like he's super fast when he does it but it looks like he he does like the fact that players can't get him is almost comical to me because he just looks like he's just like playing a little game of keep away it's like a Tom and Jerry act or something (laughs) really is like his legs are moving so fast and like he's just running around the field like not like watching Justin Fields make make like a 40-yard run and then watching Kyler Murray make a 40-yard run is hilariously different because Justin Fields stands like so tall and just like strides down the field super fast and then Kyler Murray's just like (laughs) just all the way down the field and it kills me but I I think he played a really good game he's still obviously the ACL injury you know that probably is affecting some of his running from here and there um but let's answer the million dollar question or looking at his contract, the two hundred thirty and a half million dollar question. Right now, the Cardinals have the fourth overall pick. They have three kind of quarterback needy teams ahead of them. If you count the Browns, uh, if you count the Bears as quarterback needy teams, but they have the Patriots and the Washington Commanders in front of them as well. Are you sticking with Kyler if you're the GM of the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, it's not even like I don't even think about it because because here's the thing is like I think people are going to compare this to the Chicago situation, right? I don't think it's like the Chicago situation at all. The first reason is because like you said, they already paid Kyler Murray like you're kind of already here and he has a no trade clause. It would be a little bit tougher to find spots for him. So you already have that working against you in that sense. The other thing is with Fields, he is getting better. You can see the potential But at the same time, he still never actually played like a top 10 quarterback. And you've never seen the offense actually function at that level. That's not the case with Kyler. We've seen Kyler put up MVP numbers. Sure, he got like hurt at the end of that season. And that's probably always going to be a thing with him. But you've seen him play at a level that can absolutely make everybody around him a lot better and like be one of the best teams in the NFL. Why would you trade that? Especially when since he's come back, like sure, the numbers are not that great because like we said, the team is not that good. But when you watch him play, it's to your point, like he feels more like like a guy who is actually playing within the structure of the offense. Granted, there actually is a real structure of the offense, whereas opposed to with Cliff, it was kind of like we're going to get five out in the concept and we're going to pray to God you do something. It's not as much of that now. They actually like 
help him out a little bit, but he's taken to it and he's doing a really good job of like playing quarterback and, and playing within the pocket, playing within himself. You know, even like you mentioned, he only had three outside the pocket throws in this game. Two of them were designed rollouts. The only other one was the James Conner touchdown I mentioned. Like he just, you said he wasn't bailing. He was doing the thing that he was supposed to do. So I think when you see all that from him and then you consider he has one of the best arms in the league. He's a really good athlete who will probably be a better athlete again next year when he's healthier off the ACL. Like this is, I think to me at worst, a top 12 quarterback. And I think when he's playing at his best, he's closer to like seventh or eighth. Why would you move on from that? Especially when you're already locked into a mini mate. Like what, what, what's the point? Right. Why take the risk when you can use those picks instead to build on the rest of your team, which we've talked about is, definitely not a top 10 roster in the nfl probably bottom five bottom six roster use those picks go get marvin harrison jr get him a someone that's dreaming big from me but go go get some help you have your top 10 quarterback teams search decades for one of those guys and sometimes never find them and don't risk it don't don't wait because you're probably not getting caleb williams or, or drake may at this point in the draft you're probably going to be reaching like if you're at pick 17 do you take michael Penix jr probably not like there's no reason to take a risk on one of those guys when you have someone like kyler who is playing some really good ball with not a lot around him and and to be honest just seems like he's happy that anybody but cliff kingsbury is running that team like he's smiling <laughs> like like you see him on i remember all the stuff on the sidelines where people are like oh you know like look at Kyler like that's not what you want from a leader like he's he's yelling at his coach and it's the same people that turn around and are like Cliff Kingsbury's an idiot like he is the worst coach I've ever seen I'm like yeah if you worked for that guy you'd probably be pretty mad too like I I don't blame him for being a little upset um so I I'm happy to see that he's happy that team's in a better spot and good for Jonathan Gannon sticking to the sticking to the Eagles he said you know it wasn't all the Eagles. I still did a good job too, which I, I had doubts coming into the year of Jonathan Gannon. We'll still see how it plays out in the end, but that was a great win for them. Good win for Kyler Murray. I'm excited to see how that plays out forward. I don't think there's a realm where they trade him anymore. Uh, I think that discourse has kind of started to falter a little bit and uh, come back down to reality a little as the season went on. Um, but let's talk about a team that did trade everything they had for a young quarterback in Bryce Young of the Carolina Panthers. They, in two years, traded Christian McCaffrey, arguably the only running back that got rid of the running back don't matter discourse. And then they sent away their best wide receiver and a bunch of other picks to get their franchise quarterback. You actually tracked Bryce Young last week, too. We did not get to that chart or the show. So we can run over kind of what two weeks of Bryce Young looks like because I think we need all the film we can get right now to determine how he's playing because it's hard to look at the team and judge his success. So tell me what you saw Bryce Young week 16, week 17, closing out the year. There's a lot of questions. Give me some answers. I will say week 16, he was a little bit better because um, obviously he played the Packers. This was statistically probably the best game that he's ever played. I think he had like over 300 yards. Um, he kind of looked like an NFL quarterback for maybe only like the second or third time this year, uh, which was really encouraging. The thing is, when I watched that game, he made a handful of plays that, that I do think were impressive. He had a couple of dig throws that were really cool in that game. He had uh, the touchdown to... 
I think it was DJ Chark in the back right side of the end zone where he he's bailing outside the pocket. And that was like the vintage. Oh, that's what we drafted you to do is to go make those plays outside the pocket. So he had some of some of that stuff that was encouraging. But when I watched the week 16 game, they were still like four or five throws where I was like, man, I don't know if this is an NFL caliber arm. Like it just because the thing is, I, when I bring that up to people that he doesn't have a very good arm, people will, you know, mention a couple of other throws and be like, oh, well, you don't have to have the strongest arm, blah, blah, blah. OK, that's true. But if you were to list every starter currently about to start in week 18, how many have a worse arm than Bryce Young? Maybe one or two. Like well, he has one. Of, cheating. Let's go week seventeen yeah, because yeah, week okay, eighteen we'll we, week we still seven, have yeah, like got a couple Sam of like Darnold Tyler and, and Carson <laughs> yeah. Wentz is back on the field, and and then you have a conversation. But I week seventeen, I get your point. Yeah, like it's like how many really have a worse because even like Tua has one of the worst arms in the league. I don't know if Bryce's is any better than that. Like they have a lot of the same issues, making a lot of the same throws, especially outside the numbers. So that continues to be my issue with Bryce Young and I think in a lot of ways this game the week 17 game I should say kind of shed some light on that and I think that was a big reason why the offense struggled overall 65% adjusted accuracy not good but like not nightmare territory like I've had with with some of the other games I've charted this year it's not completely in the dumps Uh, but you, you dig into the deeper the into the numbers a little bit deeper it was a very feast or famine type of game where he went 13 of 16 in the one to five yard area. Awesome. He actually did do a really good job of like when the, when the Jags were sending blitzes, which they love to do like zone pressures and simulated and stuff like that. He actually did a pretty good job of knowing where it was coming from, knowing how to beat it, playing very decisively. He's really good at that. And he was in college and he's been able to translate that, which I think has been impressive. And then down the field, he made a couple of really nice throws. Uh, He made one to DJ Chark down the right sideline that got dropped, unfortunately, but it was a really good throw on a go ball. Um, He had uh, another throw that um, I think down the left side that was that was really good in this game. And then he had one that I charted as inaccurate, but it was catchable. So it like I'll get you give you give him half credit for that in a sense um, on a post to 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 DJ Chark. But um, so he did some stuff down the field in the intermediate area, though just not good between six and 20 yards he went two of seven and when you watch a lot of those throws he just doesn't have the juice to put the ball like where it it needs to go um and i think you see that especially outside the numbers um there were a handful of throws in this game where he just the arm talent is not there like even the 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 throw i just mentioned the post to dj chark it's like a 30 it's probably about 35 yards in the air something like that he underthrows it by like two yards and like DJ Chark has to like run all the way back to the middle of the field. Like the way, from where he's throwing it, he should be able to hit DJ Chark in the middle of the end zone. The ball lands on like the four yard line. Like it's just he, he's not driving the ball. Um, there, there's another dig throw that he tries to throw to DJ Chark in this game. Just doesn't get like he just overthrows it because and that's going to sound like that's not an arm strength thing. But arm strength in a way is like being able to control the ball. He can't do that sometimes. And so you end up overthrowing and, and sailing throws like that. There was, I think, the most egregious example to me. He tried to throw a speed out to Adam Thielen to the left side from the far hash. He throws it so short that Adam Thielen has to run all the way back to the line of scrimmage. And it's a zero yard gain. That is unacceptable for Yikes. an NFL quarterback. I'm sorry. Like, you cannot do that. Like, that should be your free four or five yards. We're going to keep the ball moving. And all of a sudden, it's a zero-yard game. Like, that's not good. So, 
this to me was Bryce Young has some stuff to him, like pre-snap. I do think he's good. It's just you watch him and physically it's like, it's tough, man. It's going to be really, really tough to live the way that he's trying to live. And you brought up the comparisons. Obviously, he's the same height as Kyler Murray. It doesn't feel like they're the same player because Kyler Murray looks bigger than he is where I feel like Bryce Young is a little bit of the opposite where he almost looks a little smaller than he is clocked in at. But they're different players. So you said like Kyler Murray throws a fantastic deep ball. He has all the arm strength to cover pretty much every bit of the field. And then you compare Tua where Tua historically doesn't have that arm strength. He's more of a accurate quarterback than he is like a, a like a gunslinger. But he also has something that Bryce Young doesn't, which is a really good system and really good weapons around him. Like Tua has an offense that opens up the middle of the field where he can just make those, I just need to put it here passes. And it's no coincidence the best years of his career came with Tyreek Hill on the Dolphins. That's not a, there's no, uh, oh, he got better at the same time. It's a, this is clearly a cause and effect relationship where Tyreek Hill can cover a lot of those things. If you throw it over the middle of the field, you can be a little bit ahead and he's probably just going to zip over and grab it. Like it, it makes life easier and no part of Bryce Young's career is going to be easy. It doesn't matter arm strength, whatever he is, because the team he's on, it's just not going to be easy. And he doesn't have the tangibles to overcome that. I feel like where you see that with some quarterbacks where CJ Stroud on the Texans, let's not say they're a top five team in the NFL. They're, they're probably not yet. But he has some of the skills and cast around him to overcome that, where he can throw people open. He can rip a ball down the field 70 yards just in the pocket of his player's hands. Like He can do things that make everyone around him even better. And we haven't seen that from Bryce Young, nor does he have kind of the team capabilities of that, where his career is just going to be hard. There's really no way around it at this point. It's going to be an uphill battle too be a second contract type of player at this point because they're not giving him tools to succeed he's not showing that he can really succeed outside of those tools or create things on his own it's going to be a real uphill battle for his second contract we think we talked about it before but it reminds me a lot of sam darnold with the jets where there just wasn't a lot going on to start and he didn't flash a ton himself showed some okay decision making like you said the the pre-snap stuff where it's like all right he's doing some good things he is the smart quarterback that we saw coming out of alabama nothing has changed there but he may not have the tools to take it to the next level that we've seen but i don't know what do you what do you think after this year what what are you looking forward for obviously he's got four years we're looking at four years with the panthers more likely than not we see teams pull the plug early but what would you want to see out of him if you're the brass of Carolina? If you're David Tepper throwing beers on people, what do you want to see out of Bryce Young next year? Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, my unserious answer is steroids. <laughs> uh, my my serious answer would be 
fixing fixing the offense somehow. But again, like how are they going to do that without a first round pick and without like significant capital to, capital to do that? Because honestly, you mentioned Tua. I do think there is a world where you could get Bryce to do some of the stuff that Tua is doing, where you're just kind of like automatically throwing stuff. You're getting the ball out quick. You're not thinking that much. You're you're just accurately throwing within that like eight to 15 yard area over the middle of the field. I think Bryce Young absolutely has like the the confidence, the the vision, the quick trigger, the accuracy to do all that sort of stuff. But like, where are they going to get Tyreek Hill? Where are they going to get a Jalen Waddle? Where are they going to find a Mike McDaniel? Like, don't, like those guys are so hard to find. And they're especially hard to find when you don't have your first round pick. So that's kind of the thing is like, th- there is a world where Bryce could figure this stuff out, but it, it's just so hard to, to see where that happens other than like the team around him just gets better, which is going to be a really long road for this Panthers team. Cause the thing is when you watch Bryce young, what do you want him to be better at? Because like he makes decent decisions, uh, you know, in terms of where the ball needs to go, he understands how to play pre-snap. His pocket movement is really not that bad for a guy who is as short as he is. You see him make some plays outside the pocket but it's just like physically he doesn't have the tools to make the super game changing plays and like be a consistent NFL player. And that part is never going to change, which is why this stuff is so scary. And it's why the, the pathway to this offense being good is simply putting all pros around him. And again, that's going to be really, really hard to, to come by. Yeah, I, I still believe in Bryce Young as a player. But I feel like at this point, I'm now betting on a franchise to make the right decisions. And I can't think of a franchise I'd want to put less faith into than the Panthers right now to make the right decisions. I mean, if you put, again, if you put Bryce Young on this 49ers team or on this Dolphins team, we have a different conversation. We're probably looking at a couple flaws. It's like, yeah, he can't throw that wicked deep ball as much as we want to. Yes, he still has some height issues, but it can be overcome. But in this four years with the Panthers... I don't think he's going to be in a put in a situation like that, which is just disheartening to see for a player. It always sucks to watch someone's career be ruined by something that necessarily isn't there in their control as much. Um, but, you know, it happens. goes from time to time. Not everything pans out. Let's move on to our last bit of the show here. A little off script stuff. You've got one for me, and then I've got a nice little rapid fire seminar for you. So let's talk about, we've already talked about Tua a little bit, but Dolphins... Locked in the playoffs, a lot of injuries, but what are we talking about with Tua? I'm just, I'm over it with Tua, man. Like, he's just not, we got to stop doing this with Tua. Like, we watch Tua talk, okay, the, the Ravens game was like the perfect example of, of the problem with Tua. When you watch that game, he's making one throw. He's throwing that 10 to 15 yard in breaker. They'll change the depths based on what coverage they're getting, all that sort of stuff. And Tua does a good job adjusting to that. I don't want to take that away from him, but that's the only throw that he's making. And like, he's making it over and over and over again. And as the game went on, the Ravens kind of started squeezing that window. You know, linebackers were getting a little bit more depth. Safeties were a little bit more ready to trigger. Corners were a little bit, you know, closer in their, in their trail. Tua just kept throwing it, dude. Like, he wasn't reacting to anything. He just keeps throwing it and keeps throwing it. And at one point, the first interception he throws, the Ravens go to a drop eight coverage. And they have on the left side that 10 to 12 yard inbreaker that they run every single play. 
and Tua just does not react to the fact that they're dropping eight with single high, which means the middle intermediate area of the field is going to be flooded with defenders. Tua just doesn't care. Roquan reads his eyes, makes an interception. Okay, you can get away with one mistake. Later in the game, he he throws another interception because on the right side, they run one of those like, it was more like a 15-yard inbreaker or whatever to Hill. There are five Ravens defenders in the area. Like both safeties are running over to it. The corner's in trail. Both linebackers are getting depth. Tua just doesn't care. He rips it anyway because he's been programmed for this throw to be open. And usually it is. But at a certain point when it, when you play a defense like the Ravens who are so smart, so well coached, eventually they're, they're going to catch on. And, and they did. On that. And yeah, they're going to pick up. Guys like Roquan are going to figure it out. And they did. And and like that's kind of the problem is that once they figured that out, Tua just didn't have anything. Like Tua is not a guy who creates outside the pocket all that much. He can kind of throw down the field on pure go balls, um, but he's not going to do it like late in the down. It's very much like a rhythmic, like I'm just throwing this because I have my one-on-one, which is fine. Like he, he does do that well, but that's kind of all he has down the field. And then outside the numbers, you saw him struggling in this game. Like he had, okay, it was funny because I tweeted this during the game that he can't throw outside the numbers very well um, because his arm is just not not that good. It's, it's, the same, it's the same thing I've talked about with Bryce Young. He just doesn't have the juice in his arm to do that. But then people mentioned, oh, well, he threw that fourth and five go ball or whatever. I was like, okay, but a go ball is not the same as like driving the ball. It's not when we, when we say ball. outside the numbers. <laughs> yeah, when I mean outside the numbers, I mean like out routes, sale routes, comebacks, like corners, like that type of stuff. All, anytime Tua tried to throw those in this game, he just didn't have it. And there was one, I think, specifically on like a third down, he tried to throw to Tyreek Hill and he leaves it like two yards high and two yards inside because he just doesn't have the arm strength and control to put that ball out on a line on that angle. And so that's, it's just, I, I've just gotten to the point where Tua does do a handful of things well. But we have to just call it like it is. And that's like, that's all that he can do. And that's fine. And you can make really productive offense out of that. You can put up 35 touchdowns a year, but he is what he is. And sometimes it's more that you just get a really good offensive system and really good players. And you get a guy who has very specific skills that can make the offense go. Yeah, he he is the perfect marriage for the system. You know, I mean, like. Yeah, you want a complete quarterback all the time, but sure, how many of those are even in the NFL? Like you have Mahomes, and then your list gets smaller and smaller, like Herbert, whatever. They they are the complete quarterback. They can make every throw on the field. Not everybody gets that. I think he's the perfect marriage for the system that they do have, and that's all Mike McDaniels wants him to do is, is make those throws every play, um, and they try and scheme their way out of it. So I'm going to ask you a tougher question because it's two quarterbacks that I feel are kind of a similar boat that way. If you're building out a franchise, you've got a, a great offense, a really good defense, and you pick between Brock Purdy and Tua Tagovailoa, who are you taking to lead your franchise? Brock, probably. <laughs> because like Tua is probably a little bit more... You know a little bit more what you're getting, I think, down to down. But in a sense, that's kind of bad because of the certain limitations that I just brought up, at least with Brock, like he can make plays outside the pocket. He can make some really like confident throws when bodies are around him. That's my other problem with Tua. If the pocket collapses, he cannot throw the ball. Brock at least like kind of can. And he's like, 
he's kind of fearless in a sense, which which really helps him like overcome some of his limitations. So I, I would probably lean Brock. Although again, I, I don't know if I feel very good about. I, I would want Shanahan or McDaniel more than I would want either of the quarterbacks. I'll, I'll like, can I pick my coach as well? Yeah, can please? I just pick the coach? <laughs> Speaking to you, did track Tua in Week 16, which we didn't talk about. Um, but under pressure, he had nine attempts was accurate on one of them yeah given ravens will kind of do that to you but at the same time that's not good that's real that's really not good the only only person you've tracked all year even close to that kind of like success under pressure was kenny pickett in week 11 don't want to be compared to kenny pickett on this show it's usually not a good thing between the two of us to be compared to kenny pickett there is no love held there so yeah struggles under pressure he doesn't have the arm talent we might get a little bit of flack for that one i'm sure because there's a lot of tool love out there um i do really like Tua Tagovailoa. i think he's great in that offense but i know his limitations i'm not expecting him to be the next like pat mahomes justin herbert i think he's a very different quarterback from that so you got your rant out but i've got one one last thing for you um we're gonna pretend like this was a planned scripted thing but we have a little bit of a a rapid reasoning that i need from you i'm gonna give you a list of quarterbacks you're gonna tell me if they've played their last year with the team they're at yes or no and then just a quick reaction of why you think that let's go less than like 20 30 seconds on the reaction here start off i think we'll give you a little softball here mac jones with the new england patriots has he played his last down with the team this year a hundred percent like i think we've seen what mac jones can do and i think there is a way that you can get functional offense kind of in the tua ish mold but they're too far from from that at this point and i think they're just done with him in general like if you play bailey zappy over a guy he's done so get him out of here all right baker mefield tampa bay buccaneers one-year contract came in this year i'd say surprised is he going to be back with the team I think so. Like, I think they still probably like draft a quarterback somewhere, whether it's like Michael Penix or or Bo Nix or or just some guy like that who they can try to develop and stuff. But I think Baker's going to be back. I think he's played well enough. Like that dude. I don't know what Dave Canales has got cooking, but that dude gets guys to just rip throws down the field. Like he did it with Geno in Seattle, and he's done it with Baker in Tampa Bay. So there's no not way a perfect Baker's quarterback, but he's got something. To rip. There's no way no, yeah. Baker Mayfield's a hard guy to convince to just rip the ball down the field. Like, this is not not that issue. It's not that Derek Carr. Like, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not the same thing. I agree. I think he's back next year. Uh, and I'm actually kind of excited to see it, to be honest. Um, okay, Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos. Massive, massive contract. Bench the rest of the year now. What do you think? I still don't think Russ is that bad, but I think Sean Payton would rather play quarterback himself than have Russell Wilson out there again. Because I think here's the quick thing about Sean Payton. Sean Payton is used to having Drew Brees for about 15 years. He's used to smart quarterbacks who can do a lot within the offense, who can handle stuff pre-snap, who can throw all types of concepts. Even when he had Teddy and Jameis playing quarterback, that was still the case, even though they had their own limitations. Russ is just not that man. Russ can do like three things really well. And I think that drives Sean Payton insane. (laughs) Doesn't have that guy that can run. Also, you know, I've seen a little bit of the rumor mill of bringing Russell Wilson back to Seattle. 
don't think it happens. No. But <laughs> I agree. I think there's too much bad blood there in Denver. I don't. I think they'll find some way to move on, whether they cut him or scamper out a trade. But I don't. That's pretty unlikely at this point. All right, your boy, Falcons quarterback Desmond Ritter, third round draft pick. He's only been the starter for parts of this year, but do you think he sticks around? Does he play some more snaps for the Falcons next year? Not on purpose. I, I think it's over. I, I really thought he would be a guy who could get into like the Jared Goff tier, like that style of quarterback. He just cannot get out of his own way, dude. Like he, the thing is, when you watch him and you look at even a lot of his efficiency numbers, the down to down stuff is like, league average maybe a little bit better but he just makes the dumbest errors like two or three times a game and it's like dude at a certain point we cannot put up with this <laughs> gotta get over yourself here and also yeah. how bad do you want a better quarterback for the falcons personally oh yeah very much that, that should be on my christmas list like number yeah. one that was what i wanted um all right last but not least Number one overall pick, Chicago Bears. You have Justin Fields. That's a conversation. They have the chance to wipe the slate clean. We talked about it a little before, but not what we do. What do you think happens with Justin Fields? I think he is playing quarterback somewhere else. And it and to me, this is not like Mac Jones. It's not like Russell Wilson. It's not like Desmond Ritter, where those guys kind of played themselves out of, of starting. I think this is just a situation where you have the number one overall pick, Drake May and Caleb Williams are awesome prospects who are basically as good as I thought Justin Fields was coming out of college and still like when you look at them now have as much potential as Fields does. And then like I mentioned earlier in the show with Fields, he's getting better. You can see the potential, but it's still not all the way there. If that's going to be the case and you're close to having to pay him, probably makes more sense to just reset Let's go get a guy who has like equal potential and we'll we'll try this again. So I think Fields is going to start somewhere else for sure and like probably play pretty fairly well. I'm hoping like Pittsburgh, I think would be really cool or Atlanta, but I don't think in, in Chicago. I think it's done. Yeah, there's some rumor mills with the Pittsburgh stuff because he's a, a big Penguins fan, too. And I know that sparked a, a little bit of. A little bit of, I don't know, I'm thinking of Kyler Murray. What am I doing here? That's Kyler Yeah, that was, that was Kyler had the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, all the, I've, I took a lot of the holiday off from football, so my brain is jumbled. But that's going to do it for us this week, man. Appreciate having you here. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. If you want to see us back next year, which more than likely than not, we will be back next year, but show us some love. Leave a review on the podcast. Give a five-star reach out to us on socials if you like it if you want to see something else we are easily reachable people um until then we will see you all next week after the week 18 finale lots to talk about peace